I'm honored to be here today, and I want to invite your attention for the message this morning to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and we are going to read just a handful of verses, begin reading in verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. I appreciate your attention today, and thank you, Pastor Seth, again for the opportunity to preach this morning. I want to give you a Thanksgiving message as we approach uh, this Thanksgiving week. I want to just challenge you to be people of gratitude. And so the scripture says in verse 11 of Luke 17, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, saved this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. Father in heaven, I pray today your blessings on the reading of your word. We take you at your promise that this will not return unto you void, but you will reap that which has been sown in the reading of it. Lord, I pray today for this congregation and for those of us who are under the sound of this message, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us things that we need to be reminded of, that we ought to be a grateful people and not ungrateful. I pray, God, that you would hear us today and move in this service because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you remember the name Emily Post? Anybody remember that name from bygones ago, it seems like? Um, Emily, you know, wrote a book called Etiquette in 1922. And in that book, she mentions over a hundred different circumstances and ways that we ought to express our gratitude to another person. You know, her book was the hallmark, if you would, the standard for social interaction. And she was convinced that if people do not express gratitude, that was a total breach of manners. I think the Apostle Paul would agree with that when he said, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. No wonder the early theologian, a man by the name of Thomas Aquinas, well reminded us that every ingratitude is a sin. The Apostle Paul, again, would put it this way, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. It's easy to see how ingratitude 
the lack of thankfulness, the lack of appreciation for the gifts and kindnesses that have been shown to us can devastate marriages, it can devastate families and homes and churches and even entire society. But greater still, ingratitude can demolish your relationship with God. Ignatius, who was the first century bishop at the church of Antioch, he said, ingratitude is a failure to recognize the good things, the graces and the gifts that he received. But on the contrary, he continues, recognition and gratitude for the good things and gifts received is greatly loved both in heaven and on earth. Our culture, I think, is immensely ungrateful. Our culture is ungrateful for the blessings that come to us from God. We act as if we deserve them. We act as if when things happen wrong that it's God's fault, and when things happen right, it's what we deserve. And so we fail to give God his proper place and due. In our text today, we meet ten lepers. Ten lepers. These men were in crisis. They had the worst disease of their day. The physical ramifications of their condition were horrendous. Leprosy attacked the body, leaving sores, missing fingers and toes and damaged limbs. And in many cases, the initial pain of leprosy gave way to something far worse, and that was the damage of nerve endings so that you could not feel, and so you would continue Continue to damage your limbs with fire or hitting them or whatever, you would not even know that they were hurt. The disease, I'm told, can take up to 30 years to run its course, and it's a most horrible affliction. We have nearly an impossible task of trying to fathom that because we sanitize everything in our minds thinking that we have modern medical treatments. But I read recently a, a book by a, a, a Christian uh, missionary person who always had wanted to go to a modern-day leper colony and minister there. And something within her had always wanted uh, to, to go and, and visit with these folks and share the gospel with them and see what their lives were all about. And a trip overseas gave her that opportunity. And she walked by the entrance of that leper colony three times, she recounts. Three times. But she kept looking at those poor souls. Here was the opportunity that she had begged God for. But she could not go inside because the smell overwhelmed her. She literally could not stomach it. You see, the bacteria that's related to this disease has terrified humanity for centuries. It almost reminds me of this awful thing that we're dealing with in our modern America where people are literally scared to death to be close to another person. 
to breathe near another person. Nowadays, you cannot even have an allergy without people thinking you have in the COVID cough or worse, a 15-foot directed sneeze in your direction. Listen, this is the way it was with leprosy, only it was far worse because the outcomes were far worse. You see, this disease did not kill, it just makes you wish it had. This disease would not kill, but it seemed like it would never end. It left people disfigured and the skin would just be maimed. The limbs of a body would be twisted. The fingers would be curled. They would get what they had called claw hand. And the facial changes, the nose would droop, the ears would thicken. Tumor-like growths would grow in, into the form of, of the skin and the respiratory tract, making it miserable to breathe. And the optic nerve, I am told, would deteriorate. And the largest number of deformities, again, was from that loss of pain. It is no wonder when we come to Luke chapter 17, when we find Jesus passing on his way to Jerusalem, that when he came in the midst of Samaria and Galilee, that as he entered this nameless village, it is no wonder that these people lifted up their voices and said, Master Jesus, have mercy on us. It's no surprise that these desperate men would cry out for help. Would not any of us cry out to the Lord if we were in that shape? They had the faith, you see, to pray to the Lord. These ten men were afflicted with this awful disease. Again, it's hard for us to imagine anything more miserable than that. But aside from the symptoms of the disease, now hear me, was the isolation and the loneliness it brought, so much so that in Luke 17 we find Samaritans and Galileans and Jews all together in their misery, people who would normally stay far apart now shared their common misery. Who would not want to be relieved from this miserable condition? Now notice here that biblical leprosy is a powerful symbol. We know it is representative of sin, the spread of sin and the consequences of sin. You see, sin starts out small, but it spreads and it grows and it eventually touches every part of our life. It can even damage our relationship, you see, with God, the Almighty and Jesus Christ and grieving the Holy Spirit. The conduct of these ten lepers then is very instructive to me as we look at prayer just in this first point. When we see that people are so miserable in this sin-cursed world, it is amazing to me that we learn nothing from these ten guys because people are not apt to pray anymore. Have you noticed? People don't want to pray. People are not given to prayer. When sickness comes, the first call they make is not to the Father, not to the great physician, not to the healer of the nations, but our first call is usually to the doctor. It's usually to somebody else, some specialist. You say, preacher, are you against doctors? Not at all. 
I'm just trying to tell you that Christian, my friend, often we are content with praying little short rope prayers in church, things that we have heard all of our lives, and rarely do we find people on the altar praying with all of their heart, praying with bitter tears, begging God in heaven to intervene. How is it that dying men and women How is it that men and women that are lost and going to hell can have so little prayer and not be concerned with their condition? These ten men, these that we read about, these knew their condition. They were dying. They were miserable. They were unclean. They were separated from society. They had no claim in this life. But here we find them knowing at least to call out on Jesus, the Master, to have mercy up on them. Why is it that people in this day don't do it? I think it's because they don't realize they're sick. It's because they have no sense of sin in their life. These people, it seems, do not realize the horrible condition that their soul is in. And when I tell you that a man or a woman or a young person sees how miserable they really are in this life, when they see their sinfulness of their sin, then let me tell you what will happen. They will pray. When you see how awful and ungodly and unrighteous that you are as a person, that's when you start to pray because you realize there's nothing you can do for yourself. And like the the man who stood in the temple who would not even lift his eyes up to heaven but beat upon his chest saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's our only prayer at that point is begging for the mercy of the Lord. Oh, my friend, are you guilty of these cold and thoughtless prayers? And we just pray these little words. Some of the preacher calls on us to the Sunday school teacher, and we give, you know, six or eight sentences or three or four sentences, the best we can string together. I'm telling you, we are for we are quick to forget, Christians, of our own weakness, our own problems in this day. We are quick to forget that we need mercy every hour. I need the Lord, don't you? Every hour, I need the Lord. We ought to see ourselves in the shape that these ten men saw, and we would pray more earnestly. Now listen, you are suffering from spiritual leprosy. Let me give you Dr. Isaiah's diagnosis. He says the whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even down to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And we think we're so pretty. And we think we're so cool. And we think we've got our act together. Can I tell you, sin has pervasively affected all of us, but some people never see it. They never see themselves as sick through sin, dying through sin. But the Bible still says in this book that the wages of sin is death. How many of you believe that this morning? The wages of sin is is still death. You're unclean, but you're covering your leprous spots with the cosmetics of good work. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody in the room to raise your hand, but I bet some of you stood in a mirror this morning and began to daub on some foundation 
Anybody? And you began to put things, some concealer. I didn't even know there was such things. When I was a boy, I didn't know women did all of that. And then I found out there are some men who use it. Do you use it? You're laughing. It could help, brother. You know? We're just masking what? The blemishes. The spots. Listen, that's what we're doing with our good works and our righteousness we think is so good when it really is as filthy rags. We're just trying to cover up that which is ugly. We walk into church as if we got our lives together. But can I tell you, my friends, those cosmetics will never cover up the stain of sin. They just can't do it. A second thing I'm going to share with you this morning is not only is it reminding us the importance to cry out to God in prayer, but these men, these ten men, also reminded me the importance of having enough faith to obey the Lord. When they cried out to the master, his only reply was this, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And unlike the leper in Luke chapter 5 now, Jesus didn't touch them. Did you notice? He didn't reach out and touch them and bless them. He did not uh, offer any, uh, any immediate healing to them. He prescribed no medication. He had no washing, no dipping like was in the case of Naaman in the Old Testament. Yet the healing power accompanied the words he spoke. Now I want you to notice the text. If you'll look down here in verse 14, notice the last phrase in that text that says, as they went, what happened? Y'all looking? As they went, what happened? Somebody tell me. They were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, if they would have stood there in the presence of Jesus and he says, go, and they're like, Lord, can't you do something for us? Don't you want to sprinkle us with something or don't you want to touch us with something or don't you want to anoint our heads with oil or anything? But he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And relief came as soon as they obeyed the command A fact like this is intended to teach us something that they had childlike obedience from the word of the Lord. In keeping with the law in Leviticus 13 and 14, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And I can imagine and they look down at their bodies and they see their mangled bodies they see their discolored skin and and on their way they, they they say man I cannot imagine before they turn what, what in the world why would we go to the priest our hands are mangled and our our leg is on a nub and just has a rag wrapped around it well what do we have to show the priest what would they receive More rejection? But they obeyed. And they headed off in search of the priest. And on their way, it says, they were healed. On their way. Can you imagine with me just a minute? And You can can imagine all you want to, but I can imagine maybe one hand had been mangled and the fingers had fallen off and 
And all of a sudden, it tingled back to life, and there were fingers again. How many of you believe that Christ can do that? <laughs> and that old guy that had his leg bound up to here and just had rags around him because the rest of it was gone. And maybe he used crutches and he was working hard to keep up with the pace. But as he went, all of a sudden his crutches catches on the, the bandage because the bandage had been knocked off because his leg had reappeared. How many of you believe we serve a Lord that can recreate like that? Maybe the other guy, he, he had, man, his skin was just full of lesions and and they're just snow white as I'm told they, they become. And, and maybe all of a sudden he looks down and it looks brown and swarthy again like those in the Middle East. They, it was beautiful. And then <laughs> each look at the other. They look at their leg. They look at their hand. They look at each other's skin. And that's when the party began. Don't you reckon? Come on, guys, how many of you have been excited if something like that would happen to you? Praise God that we serve a Christ who can do that. Friends, there is no benefit to stand with our hearts full of doubt, but there's every reason for us to obey the Lord in His commands. They're unmistakable. Do as He says. Don't have this this hesitating obedience, but have unhesitating obedience where when he says go, you turn around and go. And if he says come, you come. When he says repent, you repent. When he says be saved, you be saved. My friend, do as the Lord tells you to do. You cannot wait, listen to me, until the problems are over and then start walking by faith. How many of you know that? You cannot wait and say, Lord, just as soon as there's enough money, that's when I'll begin tithing. You cannot pray, Lord, if you'll just solve this issue, then I'll start back to church. You cannot put conditions on God's Word. Instead, God expects us to obey and obey immediately. Right? In fact, I have learned in my lifetime, listen now, that he says, love me despite of the disease. I watched my mom for 23 plus years wrestle with a rare muscular disorder called inclusion body myositis. It's an autoimmune disease that literally attacked it, the, her own body, attacking itself, destroying her muscles to the point that she could no longer walk, to the point that it got so far along that she could no longer take herself to the restroom and get dressed and eat. All of these things. Now, her mind, it was perfect. Sometimes a little too perfect, if you know what I'm talking about. But her body had deteriorated away. But let me tell you, four years ago when we laid mama to rest, I, I, I sat over her casket that, and I meant it and still meant it to this day. I never once heard her complain. What I did find 
was that she trusted the Lord. She encouraged everybody that was around her. She loved the Lord. She continued to sing in church. She never missed a service, friends, unless she's in the hospital. And one day I can remember going down to the hospital and her doctor said, very matter-of-factly, little Pakistani woman, she walked in and she said, um, there's nothing more we can do. We're going to send you home on hospice care. You're close to the end. Little doctor walked out. That's it. I guess we knew it was coming, but I was shocked. I said, Mama, we need to pray. We need to ask the Lord. She said, let's do it. I want to pray, she said. And she said, let's bow our heads. And just me and her in the room, she said, Lord, I pray for all of these people in the hospital who are so sick. I pray that they could be well. I pray for the doctors and nurses as they tend to them. There was no word of complaint. Listen, sometimes we have to love the Lord despite the disease. Sometimes we have to obey God, listen, despite the lack of talent. Boy, I love this band up here. What talent they have. But what if the Lord tells you to do something for which you have no seeming ability? I've heard many a preacher say that backward, bashful. Couldn't say two words in public and the Lord called him to preach. But obey. Some people have been told to follow me despite of the depression. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet there's somebody in here this morning who battles depression. I bet there's somebody in this room that has a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. That, that doesn't just want to pull the covers back up over your head and say, I'm not going to church today. But the Bible it tells us to obey the Lord, to follow Him, even in the difficulty. There's people here this morning that are struggling with some sin, some temptation. And can I tell you, you have to say no even when the temptation is present. You have to continue to obey even if it makes you look Less than a man, as they might tell you. How many of you know that we're dealing with addiction in this country? And I'm not talking about just drug addiction. How many of you know that there is a problem in the church and it's called pornography addiction? I say there's a problem in the church. I bet there's some guys right now in this room that are struggling with pornography addiction. And every time they view it, they know it's wrong. They're convicted to the core of their being. And this person has to battle that and learn to say, No, get thee behind me, Satan, when the opportunity presents itself. You have to learn, my friends, to praise the Lord in the darkness of the nights, in the worst of circumstances. And now let me finish with my third point, and I hope you'll give me just a few more minutes. Is that okay? Okay. And this is really the crux of the message. 
So it teaches us something about prayer. We find that we ought to obey God regardless of the circumstances. And lastly, I want to show you that gratitude is a rare commodity. Is a rare commodity. I think it's so uncommon that we're so pleasantly surprised when somebody says thank you. My parents raised us to hold the door for people. But it amazes me how many times I can hold the door and people just walk through and they never even look you in the eye. It's a common courtesy, isn't it, to hold the door? But I think it's also a common courtesy to say thank you. We're living in an ungrateful world. All ten lepers, all ten lepers were healed. But there was only one who turned back and gave him praise. (laughs) One of them, the Bible says, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice he glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. But here's Jesus' question. You know what it is. where's Where's the nine? Weren't there ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Is this the only guy, this stranger, this foreigner, this Samaritan that has come and to say thanks? I'm going to tell you, I think that's probably about the right percentage. 90% ungrateful, 10% full of gratitude. If you'll permit me, there was an old sermon by the name by a man by the name of Elijah Thomas. He he lived in the day with, with Spurgeon and back in the late 1800s, and he preached on this text. And I was just amazed at, at how he looked at this. And what he did in his sermon is he named the nine lepers that did not come back. That was his points of his sermon. I mean, this will preach, buddy, but let me just give them to you. He said one of them's name was Callus because, you know, he was callous to any blessing the Lord put out to him. He, he didn't feel it. The other one was thoughtless because he never thinks of his blessings. You know, that's all in the past. He doesn't give any thought to what the Lord has done for him in the past. He's only looking out for today. And thirdly was a guy by the name of Proud because he thought he deserved to be healed. And then there's a guy named Envious who who, uh, still was mad because he didn't have what everybody else had. Yeah, he was healed, but he didn't have his nice house as Joe did. And he didn't have a nice, uh, you know, chariot as Bob did. And he's still mad at God because even though he's healed, he didn't have everything he wanted. Then there was cowardly. Cowardly was the guy who wouldn't go and say thanks to the Lord because, you know, he, he just does it in the privacy of his own home. And he doesn't say much, you know. He, he just lets everybody else do his talking for him. And then there's, you know, calculating. And calculating was the guy who, who calculated the risk. And see, he thought to himself, well, if I go back and I praise the Lord for being healed, then he may want me to do something. I've heard of this Jesus. I mean, they knew him by name. They knew he was a master. And, and maybe he would say, come follow me, like he did with the, the early apostles, come follow me. 
And so he didn't want that, so he wanted somebody else to take the responsibility. He wasn't going to get near to Jesus. Then there was a guy named Worldly, and he had already made plans, perhaps, to go on a long vacation. Oh, I hadn't been able to go in so long, man. I'm, I'm ready to go and get my wife, and we're going to go out of town and, and maybe fly to Hawaii or something like that. Then there's Gregarious. He's a guy that loves to be around people, and he just, you know, he's one of those guys that just goes with where everybody else goes. You know anybody like that? If everybody's going down here to pizza, he's going. If everybody's going to play bowling, if everybody's going to go play tennis. I mean, he don't like any of it, but he just goes because the crowd goes. And if the other nine had gone, or the other eight had gone, he would have gone with them. But he just was going with the crowd, and he wasn't going to go and be singled out with this guy. Then there's procrastinating. Procrastinating is that guy who said, one day I'll give the Lord praise. I know the Lord's been good to me, man. I hear that when I knock on doors around our community. Oh, the Lord's been good to me. But uh, one of these days I'll get around to, to praising Him and going to church and all those kind of things. My friend, this, I think there's more of us in the nine lepers than there is in the one that gives God thanks. Everywhere you turn, it seems like you hear people complain. Somebody ought to say Amen. How many of you this week have heard somebody complain every single day? Let me see your hand. Come on, look around. You work with complainers, don't you? You live with complainers, don't you? Yeah, I see these looking around at each other back here. Now they're looking straight ahead, you know, now that I've pointed them out here. You know it's true. Most have hid their blessings away and refused to give God strength. Praise. Let me ask you a question. You ready for it? Has God been good to you? Man, we ought to praise Him. If God's been good to you, we ought to tell it. Listen, we're living in a social media age, and I, I want to encourage you this afternoon, you social media folks, it, whatever method you use, whether it's Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, uh, you, you get on your Facebook, and I want you to post how good the Lord has been to you today. I want you to do it, then invite Him to revival tonight. Tell Him how good God, just name one thing that the Lord has blessed you with this week. Give Him praise. You say, well, I just don't want... Listen, it's better than the rest of the stuff that's out there on social media. Give Him praise. I'm going to be looking, okay? So make sure you tag the church, too. Invite them to revival. The psalmist in Psalm 107 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Now let me finish by telling you that there are three distinct words. This won't take long, but I want you to open your Bible again and look at it there. Luke 17, there's three distinct words here that are all saying the same thing. You're going to like this. In verse 15, and one of them when he saw that he was healed. Do you see that? Healed. That's the first word. It's a medical term that speaks of a broken bone mending or a, or a laceration being healed. It speaks of perhaps in our day a surgery that had been done and now you're back on your feet again. He was healed. Now look in verse 17. Were there not ten, what's that word? Cleansed. Were there not ten cleansed? In the original language that's 
catharizdo. We get our word catheter from it. Sometimes you may have had, anybody in the room ever had a heart catheter? And they go up in there, hopefully, with an angioplasty to remove the impurities from your heart. But this also had Jewish connotations. This word, katharizo, is what a priest would have been looking for. They were cleansed. And the priest would have said, yes, you're clean. Go back to your business. The third word here is in verse 19. Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. <laughs> this word is a different word from the other two. It's not a medical term. This is the word sozo, which means saved. We could just as easily translate it that he was saved. His faith had saved him. It's the same word that was used in Matthew when the angel came and, and said, you're going to call him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. He would sozo his people from their sins. Paul described it this way. He said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that, that, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me tell you something. Jesus Look at this very thankful man. And he gave him a healing above all healings. Are y'all listening? All ten lepers were healed, but one was made whole. There was only one who was saved because he came back and he gave the Lord thanks. He was willing to worship God. And that was a wellness that passed all wellnesses. And I'm thankful this morning to stand in this pulpit and tell you it's well with my soul. How about yours? And so I'm asking you these things today. Are, are you praying like these men did, crying out for the mercy of the Lord? Are you praying? Do you find it in your heart earnest to pray? Then are you obeying God when He says, do, you'll do? When He says, go, you'll go? Are you obeying God? Are you really obeying God? And then, my friends, are you giving God thanks? Because ingratitude is a rare commodity. And it's a truly a thankful people who will find their souls made whole. And that is the message this morning. Would you bow your head, please, with me all over the house? Jesus has offered you the opportunity to be saved, to be made well to have your sins forgiven, all of those impurities of your heart and mind. He's giving you the opportunity to be saved. But you have to be willing to follow God maybe before you're even, even your circumstances change. You've got to be willing to worship God as He did even before He returned home. Will you recognize your helplessness this morning? Your sinful, sick of sin condition and cry out for the Lord's mercy. Will you thank Him 
for dying on the cross for you and live your life in obedience to him. Will you let him make you whole? Father, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know our conditions. I thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to share your word this morning. And I pray, God, that you would help us to respond obediently as you are calling us even now.